I'm Kind of Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Lester Rowe. New week, new episode every Thursday on iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, Podbean, anywhere that you like to listen to uh, podcasts, stream it. Um, we also got the videos now that we run on the YouTube. So you go to Arrow Films YouTube page, youtube.com slash Arrow Films, and you can go watch in a lot of cases, or many cases now, um, full episodes of the show. Uh, let's see, what else? Arrowfilms.com. That's where you can go to go watch all the stuff I made. That's basically my personal website. That's where you want to go to to uh, see all things me. Uh, got some photography stuff up there. I talk a little bit about the films and and uh, just the direct link to, that's that's the hub. That's where you want to go. And also, while you're there, go over to the Red Bubble, get some of them clean ass people collectors. I got some t shirts there, and I got some different merch that you can get. So, whatever you like, go get it. I'll have new stuff on a regular basis. It's a lot of stuff there now, so I'm not making anything new anytime soon. Now, that's out the way. This week, I have what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say one of the famous. <laughs> Visual artist in Wichita, in my opinion, probably don't like this title, but I feel that um, uh, he's a person who work. I saw that that when I first saw it, I was amazed at the work. Uh, not being a native person from Wichita, uh, almost everything I saw up until that point was very traditional art, you know, uh, landscapes still life stuff uh just just things that I, I appreciate the work but i didn't really enjoy it it wasn't anything i could remember then i remember one day i was uh in wichita we have this thing called final friday so the last friday uh, every month is where it's a big art crawl and that's where you can see just tons of art you go down to old town and different parts of delano and uh, most recently, you see a lot of small uh, mom and pop shops, coffee shops, uh, retail stores. They all have engaged into the uh, art crawl. And but this year, I can't remember what year it was. Uh, I went down to a place called City Arts. Um, next to the Warren Bar and Grill downtown Wichita. And it was just I think it was one of the last stops I was making that day. And it was just a room full of this 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 art style that I hadn't seen up until that point. Now, it reminded me of a lot of the work that I see in Dallas when I would walk down uh, the West End and things like that. And, and Fairmont Street, when I would go look at art, this is the type of stuff that I like, this stuff that I gravitate to, even though I appreciate some of the um, more classical contemporary some of it super realism type stuff i really like that kind of loose feel of this work and he had a lot of just abundance of work in here um and i remember just like i looked at it there was a wall full of stuff that was on sale and i was like i need to get as many of these that i can afford and i was in college at the time but i was like i have to get it and i remember coming back to college the next uh that monday 
and telling my art professor, Mary Warner, like I saw one of the greatest artists I've ever seen in this city ever. And um, she was like, well, he goes to Friends or he works out of Friends. You should go up there and meet with him. And, uh, and that artist I have here today, Dustin Parker, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing good. All right. Now, that was a long intro, but that, that was really the introduction to um, what it was like first seeing your work. Um, and I was just impressed. It was like, like I said, one of the best, the, the best work that I've seen here. Well, you're, you're being really generous. Um, I, I think that show is about 10 years ago, though, wasn't it? Was that the, the, I, had a, I had a solo show at City Arts about 10 Ten, uh, 10 plus years. I guess it was. So it was, that was, yeah, it was quite a while ago. And, and, uh, yeah, at that time I was doing a lot of, uh, you know, like, uh, paintings of faces. And, right. And I, I was doing a lot of, uh, and then I was also doing a lot of these kind of collage, digital collage right. sort of pieces that were sort of inspired by like Robert Rauschenberg and artists like that. Um, and so, uh, it was kind of a mix of different things, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's the show you're talking about now. Um, since then I've seen you do, um, I think one additional solo show, which was, uh, uh, was that, that was at the end of 2016. Uh, are you, you, the one where we officially met at? Yeah. Yeah, That was at a vertigo two, three, two, two, three, two. Yeah. Um, but before then I've seen like your work group works, basically you're working with other people. Uh, what at that time was that, was that was your first solo show? Which one are you talking uh, about? In the, um, uh, City Arts. Oh, no. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I've been doing shows since uh, I was in college. So, you know, I've, you know, that's, how old am I now? 37. I okay. mean, that's a good, that's a good uh, trek of time, you know, of, of doing shows. Um, and I don't know that, you know, off the top of my head, I can't really remember which number that was. I mean, it was probably six or seven, you know, or something at that point. I guess he's also the hardest working artist <laughs> because he can't remember his own shows. That's how many uh, shows he's, he's been in. Now, I invite everyone listening to go to DustinParker.com. Yes. Correct. DustinParker.com. Go look at some of the work. There's a lot of work there, and that's not even all of the work. Uh, so you can look there. There's some shop stuff, some blog stuff. You can find some social media, things like that. But since you can't remember, neither can I. <laughs> I want you to take a picture of this. I want you to get this here. We got video running on this. This piece of art here we call this the middle class by Dustin Parker. This is one of five prints. You remember that? I don't remember the piece at all, to be honest with you. All right. Digital art piece, you got that? I remember it. There we go. Yeah, that was from uh Yeah, that was a while back. Alright. That was from the I bought it at that show. I bought several at this show. Here's another one. What about the the gift it's called? I don't remember those. Yet. See, I can't remember the titles from the pieces. It's too long ago, man. Too long ago. Ten years, he says. You got that? Well, let me tell you. I'll tell you a story on the titles. Usually the way the titles work is I'm, I usually have a big stack of pieces the day yeah. before the show, and I'm sitting there going, what the fuck am I going to call these paintings? <laughs> and so I'm just kind of, you know, I'm like thinking of like song lyrics and like, you know, movie titles, and I'm just any kind of words I can kind of pull out of the air, books I've read, you know. And, yeah. I do have like things I've written down. So I really don't have like a, like a firm memory on, on that stuff. I usually have to look it up 
If All I, right. you know, so I, you know, when people start rattling off the titles on my pieces, I'm like, eh, yeah, because it's like if they describe it to me, I could tell you. Oh, I know what that is. If you had to make a quick estimate of how many pieces you've done since leaving college, since since leaving college and to this point, what would be the rough estimate? Oh, I mean, probably a couple thousand. Couple thousand. I almost feel like you did a thousand at that last show. This is uh, the gift. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Actually, there's another one. Uh, that has a title. I would run off the title, but you're not going to remember it. So there's no point of that. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, like like these pieces, you know, you had larger pieces. I'm in college. I forget how much I paid for these, but like I'm looking at these pieces. We're looking at things in the hundred thousand dollar range, and you're doing things that has um um at least how I read it, some political commentary to it or social commentary. Mm-hmm. You had a Bin Laden piece up there. That was uh, fairly large. Another George Bush, and and um, I think you may, I think I remember a Warhol, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I think back then I was doing a lot more, um, like definitely in my twenties, I was doing a lot more kind of politically themed stuff, and and uh, a lot of like those pieces that you have, um, and a lot of that was using found imagery mm-hmm. and kind of collaging it together, and then going in and, and paint, you know, digitally painting and, and putting textures and things on top of it. And, and yeah, I mean, I did a lot of, during the Bush years, yeah. I was doing quite a bit of political work. And I think at this point now, you know, I, I've kind of so burnt out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, for, you know, at this point I kind of feel like I really just kind of want to paint like nice, happy, pretty things. Okay. And sort of, and be more the the guy that's painting stuff that's kind of an escape as opposed to, what I was more probably in my 20s is the guy who's kind of soapboxing and, and, you know, and, and, uh, I don't know. I think there's probably artists that are better at that than I am, uh, as far as doing political work. Right. Um, now, is there, um, uh, when I look at the work, I see some real technical, a lot of technical skill, especially in those years, at least, the technical skill and being able to, uh, illustrate, uh and, and real and, and do faces. I I'm not sure the best way to uh communicate what I'm saying on that, but the ability to basically if someone says draw a face, draw a face. But then you have these yeah. abstract things that are happening, you know, either above the that part of it, below it, things like that. What made you get to this place where you want to combine like some rendering with abstract? Well, I think um, you know, I, I think it just happened naturally. It wasn't really a conscious choice. It wasn't like I was sitting there and decided, oh, I want to do, mix these things together. I think it just kind of naturally, organically happened. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when I was, I was doing a lot of portraits in college mm-hmm. and, uh, one of my first earlier solo shows was a show of portraits of local artists. Mm-hmm. And then I did a show the following year of like women that I knew and, so I kind of got a reputation as being like the portrait guy. And, um, and, but over time, like, you know, in more recent years, I've been doing a lot more abstract work and things. And I think I'm always kind of trying to rebel against whatever my, the label that's getting put on me. You know, I kind of like to do different things. I don't just do portraits or I don't just do abstract. I do digital stuff. I do traditional right. painting. So I'm all over the place. And I always feel like if I start feeling like people are kind of, 
put me in a corner or in a, or in a box, and I always feel this urge to kind of reject, like fight against that somehow. Is it a um, is it more comfortable to rebel or because you know when you it is a risk in, in anything that anybody do if one day um, uh, uh, Scorsese decides he wants to make a animated movie that's somewhat a risk uh, or, or 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 do a, 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 a we'll say a black film, that's a risk that he takes of losing his audience and kind of losing his touch. Maybe, uh, do you feel that, that, you know, when you, when you make hard switches like that, what's really, what are, do you think that you may lose the people? Well, I think, I think if you start hearing people kind of associate you with one thing that you, you start to, it clicks in your mind that, Oh, I must be doing the same thing over and over again. I'm getting repetitive. I'm getting, yeah. You know, my work's starting to become, you know, predictable. And so it's sort of a trigger for me to know, like, okay, maybe I need to shift gears, try something different, mm-hmm. and, you know, challenge myself to, you know, do something I haven't done or, or take it in a different direction. Um, you know, and, you know, of course, I was doing these abstract paintings. I had people, oh, I miss your faces. Why aren't you doing faces? And it's like, well, I'll probably eventually get back to that. Yeah. You know, but this is what I'm doing now. And, you know, like it or not, but this is what I'm doing. So. Uh, was this the kind of work you did at Friends? The stuff I did at Friends was, um, you know, I was, you know, my earliest, ex- you know, exposure to art was comic books and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of figurative stuff and portraits. But they're kind of, they always had kind of an influence of that comic book, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily a traditional comic book style, but like I was looking more at guys like Dave, David Mack and Dave McKeon, and, you know, Kent Williams and the guys that were kind of doing more fine art mm-hmm. within the comic book, you know, industry. And so I was kind of doing stuff that was really heavily influenced by that kind of stuff. And, and so it kind of would get a little more surreal. Like maybe I'd have the faces were fairly realistic, but then the figures might like the hands might be too big or they might be kind of distorted or, yeah. you know, I kind of played with anatomy and, um, let stuff be a little bit weirder, you know? Now, um, when, you know, I went to Newman, which was just across, uh, yeah. 54 there. Um, one of the reasons I think, uh, and I may, I, I can't remember if I just found the city art show, if it was suggested that I get there, um, was, being in that environment, I didn't feel like anyone was necessarily making work that I was attracted to um, because everyone, you know, these are two liberal arts or uh, 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 is liberal arts the right word for those colleges? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, Friends is a Quaker school and, and mm-hmm. Newman's a Catholic school, basically. So, so, yeah, the work I felt like the work was always safe safe looking safe yeah. feeling the there wasn't really a lot being said in the work um did you have that uh, and, and that made it frustrating for me whenever i had to go to these classes and i got to do you know these chart code things unless there's some still life unless there's some grids let's do yeah pots and all these sort of things and i wanted to make more r- more work that was more challenging to me uh that looked like the stuff that i like but trying to you know do that in a place that's it's not really built to make that kind of work how did you have that kind of uh yeah very much so there? very much so well you gotta understand like uh 
you know, friends being a, um, a, a Quaker Christian college, there was a lot of, a lot of white Christian people there. Yeah. I mean, it was very, you know, it was very, um, you know, very conservative, you know, the, you know, and, and even in the art department, that was kind of the one place where there were a few people that were more liberally minded or more, you know, a little more adventurous or crazy, but yeah, it was in general, you know, uh, I kind of felt like my experience in high school was kind of more what I was expecting college to be. Cause yeah. I went to Northeast magnet. And so there was a lot of really talented kids there. And, uh, I felt like I got kind of more of the experience I'd really kind of hoped I have in college where there's all these really great talented artists. And I was, we're bouncing ideas off of mm-hmm. each other and collaborating and they're doing like crazy stuff, you know, that, so it was, it was very like high school was, for me was a very like, like mind blowing experience. Cause I was this kid that was, like I said, grew up on comics and, and cartoons. And so I didn't have any exposure to fine art at all growing up. My family was very supportive of me making art. They'd give me crayons and whatever I wanted, but they didn't really know to like teach me about, you know, you know, Francis Bacon or, you yeah. know, Picasso or whoever, you know, they didn't know anything like that. So when I went into high school, it was like, oh my God, what is all this? You know, I'm getting all this stuff thrown at me. And so I kind of felt like I got that college experience early. Yeah. And so when I'm in, so like when I'm in college, I just felt like, man, I just felt like it was a little stagnant. And like, I felt like I was way ahead of everyone because they're learning this stuff that I learned four years ago. You know, because a lot of these kids literally grew up in little towns in Kansas and Nebraska, yeah, or they were homeschooled, and then you know, and and they kind of lived very sheltered lives, and then they come to college, and this is the first time they've you know been outside of their you know like their hometown or haven't been living with their parents or whatever, and they're you know, and so they're there's that kind of experience where uh, they're not very cultured and they're not yeah. you know, and so they're for them doing the charcoal landscapes that's like mind blowing. Yeah, you yeah. Know. With uh, and now like what's weird is for me at least, like I I went to an arts magnet as uh high school as well, Booker T. Washington, um, yeah. and I spent all this time and I hope she's listening, Mary Warner, my my, <laughs> I'm gonna say my my Kansas mom, you know she's she she ran the art department at Newman. And, you know, she's responsible for some of the work, the courses and classes and stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't until, you know, my later years, there are even yeah, my later years that I realized that the work that she was doing, although it seemed a lot fine art esque, it was really like bold work with she, she did a lot of work with dresses, but it was a a uh, her work was a, a definitely a, a conversation on feminism. Oh yeah. Uh yeah. and that's a lot of her work was like, but we never really had that conversation. And I felt like once we did, I really appreciated what she was saying to me a lot and her work a whole lot more than I did because at first it just looked like dresses on the wall for me. Yeah. But I have to also give her this credit of I did go to our high school and I and like you talk about, we bounced back and forth and, and it was just it, it was I remember this movie Art School Confidential. Oh yeah, yeah. That I saw and it was like this is kind of like how high school was for me. Yeah, and, very much so. Yes. And um, she, uh, what happened? I just had a brain fart there. Um, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Well, while you're thinking, yeah, I'd say uh, speaking of Mary Warner, she is amazing. 
her work's amazing. And I think one of the things that's beautiful about her work is the fact that on the surface, it's very safe. Yes. You know, it looks, you know, it's very beautiful, you know, these beautiful dresses that she paints, but then mm. when you really kind of pay attention, it's pretty subversive stuff she's mm. doing, you know, the, you know, she's, you know, her work's subtle. And I think that's, you know, and probably, you know, you could say also political, yeah. but, um, but yeah, her work's amazing. And, and I haven't really seen any new work out of her for a long time. And, and that's kind of sad to me because I think she's one of my favorite local well, she's artists. Teaching it, so and I feel like, she's doing is like I, I just would like to see <laughs> a few more new, fresh, you know, original Mary Warners out in the world. But yeah. Um, yeah. Now I remember what I was going to say. What it was is, is what she get. I give a lot of credit is really teaching me art. I learned art in high school, but it wasn't as is about doing the work uh i always talk about art in a form of talking about discipline um i learned it and she reinforced it for me is that uh, with this being in college when you have finals or anything like that you you if you're an accountant you're a writer these are things that you can just go in there study 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 and then be ready for your test for us when it's the art you have to, you're not going to whip out 10 paintings in a night for your final. Like you have to be disciplined enough to pace all this stuff out. So I love the idea that art is called a discipline because you have to have a fuck ton of it uh, in order to, to, to create work, think work, make work, and then present it. So that's one thing that she taught me along with teaching me or exposing me uh, to you know, the masters, understanding masters and, and, and movements and things like that, which took me a long way into learning history but also um, knowing how to talk about my work a whole lot better than I could because my senior year of high school, we had an art show. That was your graduate show. And I had this, I remember it's a gallery show and I had a wall full of work. And I remember the day we had a critique, we had to sit there and get beat up about it so we can get our passing or fail or whatever. And I remember the week I walked in my critique, I looked at the wall and I hated all my work because I felt like I'm beyond all this now. Like now I'm thinking about art differently and like I matured so much more. And then what's coming to Newman I rebelled against Mary so much because I didn't like any of the work anyone was making. And then eventually she was, she, she stayed with me, made me a better person and artist. And that's, that's, that. she's, she's, she's like, yeah, grandma to me. No, I hear you. Well, I, you know, I had a, you know, my experience at Friends, the first, I think, for like a good year or two, I was the only studio major there. You know, most of the students were there for graphic design, and and uh, and so the studio program was mostly part of the graphic design program. If yeah. you're taking drawing or painting or printmaking, it was it was because it was a prerequisite for your design courses. Mm -hmm. So for a while there, I was the only studio major, and you know, and and so I really kind of developed more of a relationship with the faculty. You know, like with my professors, kind of like you and Mary. Yeah, it was a situation where. And I'm still great friends with all those people. And uh, so for me, it was really, you know, I was bouncing off of them and their work and, you know, and, and, and 
taking advantage of their knowledge and their, you know, Mm -hmm. expertise to, you know, kind of help improve my work. And, and, uh, because there really, there's a period there where there really weren't a lot of students that were, you know, around to even really have that interaction with for me. And so there was a period where I was pretty frustrated. Um, but that kind of changed over time to, you know, you know, by the time I left, there's quite a few more studio majors there. But uh, so you built the Friends uh, art program. I don't know saying? if I'm saying that. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I always joke around because when I was there, we didn't have light switches in the art department. Oh, we had to go to the circuit breaker oh, and man. flip the breaker if we <laughs> wanted to turn the light on. And you'd flip the wrong one and you'd hear like a bunch of people in the room go, turn the fucking lights back yeah. on. You know, they're, you know, like they're in the middle of class, you know. And so you, uh, you know, it was kind of, you know, but there's always a part of me kind of like that about it. It was kind of like we were sort of the bastard child, you know, that like no one wanted to claim. And we kind of were off to the far corner of the of the campus and no one ever bothered us because they didn't really, you know, we, you know, we didn't have money for anything. But we were like kind of left alone and we could kind of do where we want there. And it kind of felt like really what I think an art department should feel like. Yeah, you kind of wanted to feel like summer camp a little bit well when people start when they start throwing money and stuff at it then they start paying attention to what you're doing Mm -hmm. and what's happening and then suddenly there's all this scrutiny and and oversight and then it kind of kills the fun of you know being an artist you know when you have the authority looking over and going what the hell is he doing with this and what's that you know um yeah for me at some points it did get to a point where i wanted to challenge the the college a little bit and make work that felt a lot more risky because I was making these at the end, at least for me, I was making these real large pieces and you couldn't just go hide them anywhere. Yeah. So if you walked into the art studio, you would just see this large piece of whatever that I did. And right now Mary still has a piece up of mine in there. It's a little girl. Uh, it, it's in the, it's a it's a pretty bold statement if everyone if anyone ever really reads it because it's a conversation about uh child pedophiles and um and so uh uh i'm i'm still shocked to today it's still up there because i'm it's it's newman so yeah i um, hear you but that means that no one ever walks in there and just reads what's on the thing they just kind of look at it and keep going well i mean we had like you know we we weren't allowed to have figure drawing when i was there because oh, like, yeah, we, we, got couldn't, it. we couldn't have nude, yeah. you know, nude figure drawing. I mean, we could, I, you know, and, and uh, it was eventually they were able to do it because what, you know, what ended up happening is students were graduating and applying for grad school and they couldn't get into grad school because they didn't have any figure drawing in their, you know, under their belt. So they had to like, you know, go in as an undergrad and, and take a few more classes before they could apply, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was those issues and that was kind of the argument where it finally got them to agree to let us do figure drawing at friends. Mm. And uh, so there's, you know, and we had community life standards, you know, where, you know, like if we did a show, there couldn't be nudity or references to, you know, like you couldn't have cuss words on your art or you couldn't have, you know, anything that was overtly violent or anything. So a lot of that kind of edgier, more thought provoking type work. Yeah. Like you really couldn't get by, you couldn't really show it on the campus, you know, like you really couldn't, um, you know, if, uh, get by with doing that, you know. Now you mentioned earlier, um, about, you know, the comic book influence since that uh-huh. you had, um, you know, high school, what, did you grow up on comics or was that something you kind of found or what, 
or how did comic? Well, I think you know, you know, uh, it was probably cartoons first. I mean, I was you know, television's always been a mm-hmm. big part of my life. But then uh, my stepdad, when he kind of entered the picture when I was around, you know, nine or ten, he got me. He got me into comics. I think mostly because he felt like I needed a hobby. Because I was this kind of kid that was just always crazy energy and run all over the place and running my mouth and and just kind of getting in trouble all the time and I think he was trying to find things for me to do, um, and uh, so he kind of got me into comic books and then I got really addicted to it and yeah. I was you know I'd spend all my you know allowance on comics and go there every Wednesday when the new comics came out and would redraw the characters and and do all that and then. Um, what was the comics that you you remember some of the first ones that you kind of gravitated to? Well, yeah, I mean, I was when I first started, you know, hardcore getting into it. I was a huge uh, Todd McFarlane was doing Spider Man at that time, oh. so I was doing, uh, yeah, it's a while back, night early nineties there. Uh, but, I just uh, known for Spawn. Yeah, but he did. Uh, oh, he was he was a uh, huge uh, amazing Spider Man uh, artist for several years and. So I was, you know, that I was really into Ghost Rider and the X-Men. I was real kind of a Marvel kid, really. Um, I liked Batman, but I never really liked the artists that were drawing Batman because I was always drawn more to the art than characters or writers or anything like that. I was always more interested in in looking at the art. So I, you know, I would just go and thumb through comics. and If the art looked cool, I'd buy that, you know. Now so, just looking at it. Yeah, some of this, it makes sense that Todd McFarlane, because I'm looking at a Venom um i think i think if you look at my stuff there's a very like there's still a very uh you can see a little bit of that still like and when i especially when i do my digital illustrations Mm -hmm. i think there's a little bit of that influence still there of of, um you know early todd mcfarland stuff um now um with the comic books i mean even now you know as they people say, you know, you grow out of it. What makes it so still like one of these things that you kind of like now comic book is more novelty. They it's more for, um, I, I want to say commercialized. I mean, I guess in general it's commercialized, but it's more like, how can we get everyone? And instead of like, how do we get that comic book fan? How do we kind of spread this, um, you know, thin so that everyone can enjoy it. What makes it and that and that usually is a place where people get like they 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 start to hate the thing that they used to love. Well, but, I think my journey with it was, you know, when I hit puberty and decided, you know, it got to a point where I was like, well, you know, I'm getting, I'm, I need to start. Uh, <laughs> all right, you're good. Let's keep. All right, going. let's keep going. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, where my journey with the comic book thing kind of went is, you know, I got to the point where kind of in college, I guess it was in college where I really started feeling like, well, you know, I'm an adult now. I need to kind of focus on something more serious. And that's when I got really into painting more and, and, and fine art. And because uh, at one point I wanted to be a comic book artist mm-hmm. and I kind of abandoned that idea and focused on painting. And, and uh, you know, just, you know, I just kind of felt like there was. I don't know if it was there's a stigma of just comics are for kids or whatever. I don't know really yeah. what it was, but I just kind of felt like I I lost kind of interest in it. And I still kind of kept aware of it, you know, it was kind of always in the peripheral, but you know, when I got older, you know, um I suddenly kind of got more nostalgic about it, you know, and I think it comes more now for like it's more uh now that I'm older, you know, when I go buy comics and stuff, it kind of taps into that 
part of me when I was a kid. Like, you know, like right now, everything, everyone kind of in my age group that grew up in the 80s and the early 90s, they're they're getting old enough now where they're they're making everything. They they're the ones with the money and the disposable yeah. income, and yeah. they're making stuff. And so that's why you're seeing like Stranger Things and all these things that are very 80s influenced. And you're seeing all these things that are, you know, like He-Man's coming back and the Transformers and all these things that were from the 80s. It's because like we're all having our midlife crisis and we're tapping into <laughs> our and we're tapping into the time we were happy and, and that nostalgia. And we're kind of trying to bring back all those things from when we were kids. But why is that? It seems like I, I'm not sure, you know, if. Uh, what's the move? What's the show? Um, ah, I can't think of the show. It's an AMC show that everyone loved. Not Breaking Bad. Uh, no, Mad Men. Mad Men. Yeah. Like you know, you have you have a show like that. I'm not sure who made it. I'm not sure if it's if it was a nostalgia thing as much as like this could be a cool uh, period piece. But it seems like I was born in '84. Uh, so I had a good run of the 80s and 90s. And yeah, it's almost like every time I see something from that period, I get excited. But I don't you don't necessarily hear anyone go, they need to make a new I Love Lucy. It's like we have this generation that's very nostalgic versus yeah. any other generation. It seems Yeah, like. I don't you know, I'm not sure. I think that I think in the 80s was definitely a time where they really amped up the commercialism of that stuff yeah i guess that's you know true. where it was really about a lot of new shit yeah i mean it, yeah i mean like you know uh i mean you know 90 percent of the cartoons from the 80s were made you know to sell toys i mean the toys came first and then the cartoon was just a commercial for the toys i mean if you look at transformers or he-man all that stuff it was they had a toy line first and then they said how the hell do we sell these toys well, we'll make a 30 minute cartoon and they'll get hooked on that, and then they'll buy the toys. And that's how, you know, so, you know, I think everything was becoming more commercialized. The rise of advertising. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so, but even now today, you know, I, I, and I go back and I think about your show um, uh, in late, uh, in the winter here. Um, you know, when you look beyond the paint, you can see a lot of comic strips and yeah, things yeah. behind it. What, what influenced that? Well, you know, the, the more recent work I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of collage. And so it's all just found materials. But usually a, a good bulk of it is just old comics from the, from the 80s mm -hmm. and the 70s. And I like using those older comics partly because, um, you know, back then the printing techniques weren't as solid. So you'd have a lot of misprinting. Uh, you'd have like, uh, you know, off-register color. You'd have like you know ink you know where the black was smudging or yeah. something like that and then the paper's older so it's yellowed and it's aged and it's got a patina to it so all that stuff's really interesting to me where are you finding them um i go to uh i just go to bargain bins and comic book stores so there's you know uh there's like collectible bulk and vintage stock and prairie dog comics and uh, uh wizards asylum mm -hmm. uh and it's in wichita those are all in wichita and uh, so I'll just go to one of those places, um, collectible bulk usually, and I'll just go thumb through the dollar bin and just grab, you know, a stack of 20 or 30 books. And, and that usually lasts me a few months worth of painting. And uh, but yeah, usually, uh, you know, the first layer of every painting is comics. Um, and, and your most recent. Yeah. And yeah. In the last current. couple of years, I've been doing these collage, but even like I'm doing these 
start starting to work on these new fit kind of abstracted faces and mm-hmm. there's one over here but um and those have the comic books too and that's kind of got the collage and with those i'm doing more drawings and then cutting those up and then collaging those together now um looking at this piece um we how long well well i want to ask how long does it take to do a piece but one thing that I notice about how you work, it's so many at once, it seems like. Yeah. What, 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 you know, I think I know the answer to this, but what is the reason for taking on so many? Because it seems like by the end of it, you just have this abundance of work and, you know, a bulk of anything, you're bound to hate some of the pieces as well. Well, yeah, you end up, you end up hating the majority of it. I think if you're, you know, uh, you know, most artists, I think if you're, if you really ask them, they would, they hate most of their own. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, we're very critical and, and I'm definitely critical of my own stuff. But um, just like right now, I'm going through a bunch of that older work that I made last year and I'm saying, well, these all suck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the belt sander to them and sand them down and rework them and, and turn them into something better, hopefully. So um, it's pretty common for me to recycle stuff because I don't like it. You know, mm-hmm. I decide six months later, you know, after I, you know, live with it a while, I go, eh, this didn't really work. And, you know, I'm going to try to salvage this piece and make it work. But um, but with so many pieces, like, you know, let's say we go back 10 years to that one art show. You have all these faces and things uh-huh. like that. How do they survive? Where do they go? Or do, you know, after sitting there so long, do you just decide, let's uh, scrap it and start yeah, over? Yeah, I mean, a, a, you know... The truth is probably, you know, if, if, I mean, let's say theoretically there's a show that has like, you know, 50 pieces in it, you know, 10 years from, from then, I'm guessing half of those pieces have been recycled at least. And probably ha- and then probably a fourth of them have, are just, are probably still in my basement, mm-hmm. like collecting dust. And then maybe I sold a few of them, you know, that's kind of the, you know, probably, you know, realistically, like most of my stuff, I end up at some point pulling it out and saying, Oh, I'll just, re- I'll use this panel for something else. I'm not real, you know, I don't get so attached to that work, older work. Um, you know, I feel like if it's not selling yeah. and I'm not really into it, why am I letting it set around? Do you have I any could, babies? Do you have any ones? It's like this, this one is my favorite. I would there, there's always a couple from each kind of series I do that I go, Oh, this is the one that worked or this is the one I really like. And mm-hmm. those, some of those I decide to keep for myself and just kind of have them. And I don't, sell those and uh you know i have a couple like that but uh yeah it's um you know yeah i don't know i i feel like um it's really easy for me to get detached from my stuff after a while yeah but uh what all right so this is what i want to do i want to because you we talk comic book talk a little comic book now i'm not the most right. knowledge on comic books but what i do know is the dc animated universe Okay, yeah, we've talked about this before. <laughs> now, let me ask, what what do... All right, so both companies do it. Marvel makes animated. DC makes animated. Marvel makes live action. Yeah. DC does live action as well. Who And, and DC, just for reference, is your Batmans, your Supermans, your Wonder Womans, uh, your Justice League. Yeah. And your uh, Marvel is... is Avengers, Iron Man. Uh, I hate to lump X Men and and Spider Man into it, but comic book wise, yeah. they're in it. Um, but live action, it's like 
a whole different kind of studio working on that. Now, for you, who do you like more? Which which group do you like more? And Am I a Marvel or DC guy? Well, what you're well, let's put it in categories. If you had to say in comic and live action and animated, what would you? Oh, I mean, I would say probably Marvel's is you know taking the lead as far as the live action stuff goes. I mean, I think the Netflix shows, other than Iron Fist, have been pretty amazing. Iron mm-hmm. Fist is pretty terrible. Didn't like it. I just started I, it a little I, bit. I'm still Iron trying Fist. To you know, here's chew on here's the thing. I, I here's the thing about Iron Fist. I kind of feel like, uh, they you know, it just he's just kind of terrible at being Iron Fist. And I kind of feel like that should be part of the story. And it's it's not a conscious part of the story. It's just that he happens to be terrible. Yeah, so I, I kind of feel just getting to the place where he's discovering. Well, no, I don't. I don't know where I'm at because I took a. I guess you're right because I watched like two or three episodes and I was like, I can come back to this. And I yeah, I think you know, I think like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, Daredevil. Those were all shows that like I had to like you know stay up late and watch those, and mm-hmm. you know I binge watched those, and I like was addicted iron fist was a real struggle for me to finish and it was really just sort of that like once i started it i committed to finishing it because i knew defenders is coming up Mm. after that and you know being the fanboy i am i figured i'll watch it but yeah i was pretty disappointed in it and it's the same showrunner that ruined dexter so I figure, so that, like, once I realized that, I was like, well, that makes sense. It's the same guy who came in and well, ruined Dexter. people have a love-hate with Joss Whedon, and now everyone loves him. I, you know, I, you know, I was, I was really late on the whole, uh, um, like, I never watched Buffy, and I, what? uh, I never seen, I never watched it. It wasn't, it was, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was kind of not on my radar, and I didn't really get into Firefly until way later. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm not as big a fan of the Avengers movies, I think, as everyone else are. Mm-hmm. I'm probably more, I, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Captain America films, you know, and, and, you know, the first Iron Man, those to me are the, the stronger films. I, you know, I thought Avengers was okay and the second, you know, the second one was okay, but you know, I, overall they weren't my favorite of the, of the Marvel films. What about the animated world? I would say that's where DC is excelling. I think they're, uh, um, I mean, you know, if Bruce Timm's involved in anything, mm. first of all, that makes it, you know, it's usually amazing. So if you have, I mean, Batman the Animated Series, to me, is still the, like, my Batman. Yeah, yeah, I look, my like, a lot of people say Frank Miller. It. I love Frank Miller. But to me, like, to me, the quintessential Batman is the, the Batman the Animated Series. Like, that, to me, like, all the characters, to me, it's like, when I, when I, Kind of it had a long run. It had a fairly, yeah, it had a fairly long run, and that was it was a a pretty mature show for for being a kid show. I'm learning that watching it with my son, and I we, he lo- he loves Batman. Yeah, and we throw on the animated, and I mean, he wants to see Harley Quinn, and I'm watching like uh, I don't know, it, I don't it, know. Now I'm realizing it's a lot more mature, but he likes. I don't know if you caught this on Netflix at all, but Justice League Unlimited. Okay, it has a somewhat. It's the same really same people basically made that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's good. Then. So yeah, they, they did the Adventures. Of, they did. I think it was called Adventures of Superman, and then they did the Avengers after that, or, mm. or not the Avengers, but the Justice League after that. So now here's 
And what about comic book? What about comic book? The comics, uh, the comics are kind of. I think it's pretty even on those. I, you know, again, I follow. I, I tend to follow the creators more than the characters. So, if you know, if if there's an amazing artist drawing a crappy character, I'll still buy it because you know, Jim Lee. Anything Jim Lee draws, I'll probably buy that. Or anything that you know, Greg Capullo draws, I'll I'll buy that. So even if they're doing a character that's you know. I don't care about like Wonder Man. They did a Wonder Man comic or something. I'd probably buy it. You know. Okay, so let's let's um. Now my, I'm not see. I haven't. I think I may have watched two Avengers. I'm. This is my. This is my whole. Like <laughs> I, I don't really like what happened in this DC world for some. Not DC. Uh, Marvel world. And I'm not sure if maybe I just never been a Marvel person and I'm, I'm realizing that as an adult, but I feel like it's just shiny things happening in the movies. Like I don't really, I can't connect to a story. I feel like people are just dying and no one's taking accountability. Like there's no responsibility for the carnage that's happening. Yeah. Even when uh, Iron Man blows up a building where there's people that worked in that building. I, I think, well, and I think that's a complaint for all the superhero movie. I mean, well, if you not, watch, like, you know, the new Power Rangers movie is the same way, you know, all the DC, you know, like. Well, when I look at, when I go to DC, per, per se, uh, well, I hate to say DC, I will say the Christopher Nolan Batman. Um, I feel like it's, I'll, I say that Avengers was for kids. Uh, and that whole kind mm-hmm. of world were made for in that merchandising way that we talk about um, for let's find a way to sell extra shit. Um, and DC or, or, or Batman or Nolan's Batman was about storytelling. I felt like we was watching adult film where yeah. you are asked to take this film and look at what's happening in real life. Your characters really come to life as we could wake up one day in New York may have Bane type person or mm-hmm. you can, or Joker type person. And so I like, like, so when death happens, I feel like that they are conscious of the death and as how this is a reflection on this character, Batman or this character, Joker or Bane or whoever is doing the act that's killing or hurting people. Mm-hmm. It's like responsibility is happening there. Except yeah. for Batman v Superman, that I feel like was an Avengers movie. Well, I think the thing with Nolan's films is, is um, you know, they're a much more kind of smaller, intimate film. Even though there's yeah. a sort of bigger, you know, you know, like he he approaches it on a much more intimate level. Like you know, like Logan's a good example. That's a much more intimate sort of film. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that yet. I haven't seen all. You of should them. see Logan. I but, hear but it's great. But it's a it's um. Um, it's like the first time I think they got Wolverine right was in Logan. So a lot of say that that that's the that's the one it's that's the one that. Um, but it's the same really... thing. It doesn't really feel necessarily like a superhero movie. Mm. It's it's a much more kind of grounded film. It's more you know based in realism. You know, yes, you have guys that have adamantium skeletons and claws and all these other things. You know. But it's ultimately kind of like the Nolan films, where it's a little, gr- it's gritty and kind of grounded and and uh, intimate, you know. And yeah, you know, when you watch a movie like The Avengers, and there's alien invasions, mm-hmm. and you get the Hulk knocking buildings over, and 
and uh, and they address those things like you know in the films a little bit you know like the whole point of Captain America's Civil War was sort of right. all the destruction they've been causing and trying to figure out a way to police the Avengers and these superpowered people. So I think in the movies are trying to address it, um, you know, and and but you know it's always been that way in superhero movies. You're always like you see cars flipping and exploding, and you're like, well, there's there was somebody driving that fucking car, <laughs> you know? It's like where you know. Now I got two questions. Here's one. Okay. Is Batman a superhero? Oh yeah, I mean I'd say I mean if yeah, I'd say he's a superhero. Okay. Why does Superman suck? <laughs> Why Why does that... Superman suck? Yes. Um, I don't think Superman sucks necessarily. I think that I think he's a character that a lot of people just don't know what to do with. I think he's kind of overpowered. He's too he's just too powerful. You know, like when you have these characters that are so powerful that you know it's like what do you kind of do with that character like what kind of what kind of situation can you put superman where he's really in any danger you know or you know other than you destroy the city and you have to he has to stop you from this you know well doomsday where you know well yeah you know but it's it's uh you know i i I think superman's just a difficult character for people to write because he's supposed to be sort of the perfect man and that's kind of a hard thing to write unless you Batman's somebody who's so much easier to write because he's got so much trauma and and there's so much psychology in that character and all his villains are crazy and, you know. See, because I look at Super... Well, at least what they try to do in the film, they do it a lot uh, in the Superman films, at least uh, post-Christopher Reeves and maybe, you know, in retrospect, I went back and watched one of the Supermans, Christopher Reeves, not very good. Not as good as it was for me as a kid. Yeah, I uh, I recently, not too long ago, uh, watched all of them because they were for a while. Briefly, they were all on Netflix, mm-hmm. and so I watched them all. And, and uh, I'd have to say the Richard Pryor one is probably the worst. Oh, one. Okay, I was, I, you scared me. I'm like, there's no way you're gonna say it's great. <laughs> no, it was the worst one. Well, I mean, it has that kind of weird intro where it's very like kind of this slapsticky, yeah, kind of humor, and it just the movie makes no sense. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say the fourth one's the worst, but it's clearly the third one that's worse. But, yeah. There is this also thing they do with Superman where they continue, well, at least recently, keep trying to uh, juxtapose this Jesus-like uh, figure. Uh, I remember the one where was the Superman lived or something, was it was? Like, one of the remakes of Superman in the film, there's this, he... He's flying. I forget what exactly he's doing when he falls from the sky. He does that whole kind of crucifixion pose. As he yeah, comes they like to, to do earth. that a lot. And, yeah. he's, and even with Superman, Batman, they kind of played with that a little bit. But it's just, there's, I don't, for him to be such a major character, it seems, I don't understand why it's so hard to make him work. But animated. It seems like it works pretty well when they take the animated approach. Well, I'd to say them. again, just I think the you know the, uh, the yeah the like Justice League Unlimited. I mean, I think the Superman in there. Well, they even have the great. movies that the little the hour yeah. hour and a half movies they make, I think, are pretty. Some of them fall, um, but for the most part, I I tend to like some of them. Uh, the Superman, I love the Batman. I mean, my favorite. DC animated Batman was Red Hood. 
Okay. The Red yeah. Hood one was my favorite. Um, now I can't think of any other ones because now that's just sitting in front of me. Well, the Actually, big... the animated Doomsday I thought was well, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, the big thing they've been into lately is just adapting the real popular stories like Year One, and Dark Knight Returns, and, and uh, you know, like, I thought Flashpoint was kind of a fun yeah. animated one. The uh, I, I thought they dropped the ball with this Animal Instinct for sure. I didn't like that. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I think I saw bits of it. Isn't that the one where he's kind of fighting like the creature guy? Like they're all yeah, like animal based Yeah, it, it was kind of a fall. Yeah, the, the Killing Joke. I really enjoyed the Killing Joke. Uh, I really enjoyed. Um, and I think so. I like so, thing. what do you think of the whole Batgirl hooking up with Batman controversy there? Um, I didn't like it. I mean, I I wasn't bothered by it. I understood the reason to do it. Um, I don't know. I could have went without it. I, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't do anything. It didn't move anything forward. Really, just kind of. Well, we was trying to figure out a way. How can we make him care about something? Well, I think the thing about the movie that I think didn't work for me was I felt like the first half and the second half felt like completely different films. Exactly. They were smashed together like they never it really didn't mesh well at all and i felt like i understand that the point of that first half of the film was to sort of get you to like barbara gordon and mm-hmm. Batgirl girl and and develop her as a character so that when she's raped by the joker and all these horrible things happen to her later in the in the story you have like more sympathy for her yeah. and there's a more dramatic you know emotional impact but it just doesn't really work and then making this weird kind of relationship with her and Batman being kind of you know, turning that into se- into a sexual relationship <laughs> yeah. and him being really kind of an asshole to her afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just didn't really think the first half worked. I you know understand why they were yeah. trying to do that, but it just to me it didn't work because the Killing Joke in in that in that book you know it, you know Barbara literally is not in the book at all until. Joker shows up to rape her. That's the only point, only reason she's in the book is to be the victim of this, you know, crime. And so she really isn't a character at all in the book, you know. So I think trying to give her a more human character was a good call, but the way they did it was just totally just didn't work for me. Yeah, I think they probably mostly were I I I don't know. It was a it was a weird um But I thought uh, but I thought the actual like killing joke adaptation was not was good. I think the second half was solid. You know? Yeah. Uh it was something else I was gonna say about the Batman series. Uh uh the killing Oh, I really like the um the Batman Robin, you know, that that um God, you know, they, they did a play yeah, on the old sixties or seventies show. Made it an animated. Oh, I haven't kinda, seen that one yet. The, oh. the Batman sixty six one, the Adam West. Yeah, the, yeah. it's a Adam West. Uh, Adam West and um, Burt Ward. Burt Ward both kind of yeah. play their character. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it kind of plays a lot of the um, sticks and stuff from the actual TV show, but also kind of makes fun of those things that people was making fun of when they yeah. look back on it. So, um, uh, so I thought I thought that was good. I I just I, that if. If you give me, if you tell me there's a like this new 
Justice League that's coming. I don't. I'm not sure how I feel about. I don't know if I want to yeah. watch it. I feel I like it's you. too late. I, um, yeah, I'm. I'm a little. You know, after Batman versus Superman, uh, I've been. I'm a little kind of hesitant to get excited about what what Justice it really League. was was Superman Doomsday featuring and, and then just setting up everything else. I don't know why they felt like they need to go Batman versus Superman. I think you could have did that same thing by just calling it Doomsday. Well, I think part of the problem is, you know, I think part of the problem with doing the Batman versus Superman kind of story is is that the reason that worked in The Dark Knight Returns is there was this long history of those characters sort of being at each other, you know, mm-hmm. like of not green and sort of being, you know, kind of combative with each other. So when they finally kind of throw down, you know, you're it's it's like a payoff for the right. setup that's been going on for decades. You know? Right. Where in the movie, it's kind of like they just meet each other and they have this and they kind of fight for no real reason. I mean, you know, Batman, you know, thinks Superman's a threat, but, you know, it doesn't take a lot to realize, well, Superman's clearly like doing like he's saving people from Not plane accidents, you know, and, and Gotham and Metropolis was like, uh, five feet away yeah, from each like, other. Yeah, that close. Why didn't you get the word out that he's the good guy right now? Yeah, and 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 you know, and and so, yet yeah, Batman's like literally breaking people's necks and shooting them <laughs> with machine guns and acting way out of character. Yeah, and I think visually he was great. I think that uh, you know, but I kind of felt like uh, there was a little too much, like you know, Batman killing people. You know, I just felt like he was out of character, and and uh, but visually the movie's great. You know, I, I think, think visually, the, I think it was. You know, I think, I think the biggest right. winner out of that film is going to be Wonder Woman. I think that yeah. that is going to have the better payoff throughout the long term. And this now, I'm desperately asking Christopher Nolan to come back and do, give me the, you know, let's let's. I, I don't know. He left me with a good cliffhanger. At the end of uh, was it Dark Knight Rises? Yeah. That I feel like at some point he's gonna call call up um, what's his name? What's my uh, what's his name? Joseph Gordon Levitt. No, the... well, yeah, Levitt, but but Batman, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, God, I can't remember his name. Oh, the actor. The actor. Oh, uh, Christian. Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah. Uh, I feel like one day he's gonna get that call and say, "Let's let's go ahead and wrap it up." Yeah, and especially because I think he. I don't, I don't know why. I, I I just feel like he was. He did it perfectly. I hated the first Batman of the Christopher Nolan series until I saw Joker, and I go back. And say, oh, we're making a, something for adults. That's why. Yeah. No, I I you know I liked the first you know the first one quite a bit, and uh, actually liked all three of them. I think Batman. There's a few things he did that weren't quite to me Batman. Like you know like. You know, in the, in the third one, you have him, you know, kind of all like Howard Hughes, like, you know, yeah. like moping in the mansion in his underwear, you know, or whatever, in the robe, you know, and it's like Batman wouldn't do that. Batman wouldn't retire. Batman wouldn't be like feeling sorry for himself. And, well, he and, broke his back, you know, and uh, well, no, this is, you know, he had like a bum knee or whatever at that uh, point, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, it, you know, and but he obviously he like fixes out with this like hydraulic <laughs> thing, you know, like that. So. You know, there's really no excuse for him to like not go out and be Batman, but I felt like that. And then at the end, it's like he just kind of runs off with Catwoman, or it's implied that 
mm. you know, and, and that kind of bugged me a little bit. Well, not you know? Catwoman, Cat. It never said that that was Catwoman. <laughs> so that's why I enjoy it too. It's like we all know these characters or who they're supposed to be, but it's never really addressed that way. Like, I mean, I guess in some forms they will do it. I, I don't know. I just, I, I just love that approach that he took to it because it felt like, like when I go, I don't feel like a kid. I feel like the movie grew up with me. Kind of like yeah. musicians when you see a, 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 a kid star grow up, you want them to grow up with you. And I felt like that, the Nolan approach to it was the movie aging with the audience that kind of yeah. loved it, I guess, you know, in that 80s way. Um, those comic books. Um, let's, let's do, before we crack the mic here, you talked a little bit do- about um, documentaries, art documentaries. Do you watch a lot of those or? Uh, you know, I try to if, if uh, I'm probably bad about it recently, but yeah, I like watching that stuff. Do you have a favorite? Oh, a favorite. Um, uh, there's one about Basquiat that I like called Radiant Child, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's really great. Uh, I'm not the biggest Basquiat fan. Oh, he's like one of my absolute favorites. I kind of feel like he's just a product of Warhol. I feel like he came at he had the right friend that. Well, made I this think happen. I think there was sort of a mutual sort of thing happening there because I think Warhol was sort of on a decline. And Basquiat was sort of becoming this sort of like the hot property, you know. He was the guy, you know, and they sort of fed off of each other, you know. And I think, uh, you know, I think Warhol gained as much working with them as Basquiat gained. You know, I think there was a mutual collaborative relationship going on there. Um, Well, see, I wasn't in New York at the time, (laughs) but it kind of just, I mean, I don't know, it's something about feeling like he just... I don't know. I, I kind of I grow to have appreciate uh, the Basquiat uh, style of work, and I, I don't know. I think people, uh, at least now, just like them in that kind of hipster way of saying, like, you know, yeah, Basquiat. They don't want to say Picasso, so they say, you know, when I yeah. was growing up, if you if you, they, if you didn't say Picasso, they would say Frida Carlo, or they would say George O'Keefe, or something like that. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's the today what Basquiat becomes because I just don't I feel like it was just so much so many more people if you like that kind of style to like uh yeah, but that's just no, me I hear you but uh yeah that's um what we were talking earlier about mm-hmm. um uh art and craft I believe it's called mm-hmm. um it's about a guy who was making art forgeries and then uh donating them to museums and uh so that's and he's kind of this uh kind of quirky character and so that's kind of a fun documentary um cutie and the boxer is really great um that's that's a i really enjoyed that one there's there's tons of what have you uh seen uh what well speaking of um uh kind of the well i guess it both kind of plays into the the art and craft and i haven't seen it but i think I'm, i'm gonna check it out um exit through the gift shop have you ever saw that one yes that's another yes that's it's very, one of my yeah. favorites yeah what, what do you think about that because i look at that uh what do you think about that about banksy or about uh um oh what's his name that he uh, trying like, to think off the top of my head what that guy's name is um uh, something drawing a blank i'll look it up uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i because i look at it uh i'm there was this big debate for me in high school where my teacher would ask me 
about Jeff Koons. Not sure if you're familiar with his <laughs> yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. And there is this, this, you know, because Jeff Koons, as most people, or at least in the circle of people I would talk to, then he didn't do his own work. He basically made these little things and commissioned to make it be this yeah. big thing and put his name on it. Um, and I look at, you know, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Uh, I don't know how much of that is like, what part of it is the art? Yeah, well, like, you know, you could say the same about like Damien Hurst and a lot of other artists. I think, well, I don't know. I mean, I, like, for me personally, it's like I couldn't ever imagine uh, delegating parts of my work to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I guess that, you know, I guess you could argue if you're, you know, like if you're a an illustrator and you do screen printed posters and you have a, a print shop does you know print your posters that you're you're not the one actually printing them you know you're just doing the art and they're kind of actually making the physical thing you know so there's probably you know a lot of gray area there but you know i mean you hear about a lot of these artists like you know damien hurst where you know, he's literally coming up with the idea for the painting and just having some other you know artist does all the work and yeah. just signed his name i mean it's you know there's um, so I, I don't know. I mean, Mr. Brainwash is his name. Oh, okay. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, it's that kind of thing where I, I don't, you know, for me personally, I don't think I would ever want to be that type of an artist. Is that an artist? I, you know, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you're, you know, conceptualizing and you're the one putting the pieces together, if you're the one saying, Okay, I'm going to hire this particular person because they have this particular skill set, and these are the things I want them to do. And and if you're kind of art directing it, and you're the one sort of coming up with the intellectual property, so to speak, or the the concept, then yeah, I kind of feel like you're still sort of um, the artist, you know. But if you're literally saying, "Hey, come up with something," and if I like it, I'll put my name on it, mm-hmm. then I don't feel like that's you know. Um, I feel like you're just putting your name on somebody else's work, but there is a gray area there, you know, of how much of it is you and how much of it is really this other person. I don't think I can give Jasper, Jeff Coons. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can give him credit. I, I don't know. That's I'm not a big ring. fan of his work anyway. Cause so. we look at, I mean, cause, cause to that same liking, you look at uh, architecture, you yeah. know, how much different is what he's doing different from, you know, someone who makes the, uh, um, well, and a lot of times when you start getting into like large public works, like you're, you're fat, you're having somebody else fabricate that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you know, if you're doing a 20 foot tall sculpture, in most cases you're having, you know, you're hiring that out, you know? So it's, uh, you know, I think in, like you said, in architecture, sculpture, it's a lot more common to hire out parts of the work, you know? Do you have a favorite artist? Oh, oh I got so many. Um, Who's your top? Was if you had to go number one? Number one. Um, I don't know. I mean, I you know, like I'm really drawn to Francis Bacon a lot. I feel like, and I think a lot of it is, I think I, I think what it is for me is I'm drawn to, to painters that I kind of like. Like if if I could paint the perfect painting, it would probably look like one of their paintings. But for some reason the way my brain's wired or whatever, or whatever hangups I have, I can't get to that point. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, myself, like, like I've, I've tried to paint like Francis Bacon. It just doesn't, 
ever work. You know what I mean? Like tried to kind of let that influence me, you know, heavily. And it just never, it never works. You know, Basquiat's another artist that like, if I, tried to, if, if I tried to, if I try to sit down, <laughs> if I try to sit down and do a Basquiat, I wouldn't be able to do it. You know I mean? So it's a, uh, well, some would argue that you do have a very similar style to a Basquiat. Well, I, you know, um, you know, I think that I'm, I let a lot of those different things influence my mark making and how I, you know, like, like with Basquiat, one of the things I probably take from him a lot is like my obsession with lists and words. And, mm-hmm. and I don't do that so much in my paintings any lately, but for, you know, for a long time, especially in college, like everything had like words written on it, you know, and that was a huge, you know, and that was clearly a Basquiat thing. It's funny um, you say that. Cause I'm thinking about like when you post, your um you know to-do list or whatever it's like a work of art in itself well it's funny because you know a long time ago i realized that people really like this stupid list i <laughs> and so like for some reason i'll post like a painting that i spent like you know 40 hours on crickets like no one's responding yeah and i'm thinking oh, okay and i posted my fucking grocery list <laughs> and then people are like oh man this is cool you know and i get like you know 50 likes and because yeah. it's like I think it's that invasion of privacy, you know. Yeah. I, I was um, I was talking to uh, in a uh, interview I recently did. I was talking about um, this this like for me, I still write like my notes. I can't type my notes because I don't have a connection to it. So when I'm writing or or or, or coming up with a uh, a outline for a doc that I want to do or a template or whatever, I have to write it down. Part of it is just because I feel a more I feel connection with the ability to scratch scratch something out, underline it for no reason at all or whatever. But also, um, I think back about legacy sometimes, and like I own two book I own two or three books that are like this. I own a Kurt Cobain's diary um, that was made, and I own uh, this Tupac like this this whole presentation where it's just a replica of his comp books and his notes and he may have wrote a rap on a receipt and all these things i feel like just opening you feel like like i was sitting at the table with him at that moment i get to be in well it feels a lot more real when it's like written on a napkin or something Mm -hmm. and typed out on and so i think one day i'm gonna make something great and die and my kids are gonna make billions of dollars off of my notes yeah and and because it's that invasion and, and you give that to people like even me, you know, I, I'll see you post something and I'm like, oh, huh, OK, he's getting into Stranger Things now. Maybe, you know, if this is on his list, maybe I need to put it on my list. Of, well, of it, you know, it's funny because I really, you know, I I don't even really know why I started posting those things. I mean, I make those those are legitimate lists I make for myself mm-hmm. and uh, and I just post them because people seem to respond to them. But I. uh um, I kind of do that also as a way to sort of, if I, if I kind of put things out in the world, like these are things I need to get accomplished. If mm-hmm. I put it out in the world, then I, I feel like I'm more accountable. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like somebody like you'd be like, Hey, did you ever get around to finishing that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, and like people give me a yeah. hard time if I'm not finishing this stuff because right. I'm announcing it to yeah. the world that like, Hey, because at some point I'm going to go, did you ever finish watching so-and-so? Yeah. Like if you were to put, you know, something on your list of a like a, a documentary and I go out and watch it like three weeks after you put it on your list, I want to yeah. know if you even watched it at all. Well, and if I put something on the list and I haven't 
still haven't done it two or three weeks later, I feel like guilt over it. Like mm. I, it makes me like, I'm much more aware of it then, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, and I think that's part of the reason I do it is it's sort of, because I'm kind of somebody that if you really let me, you know, kind of live in my natural habitat, I would just sit in a chair and watch Netflix all day and like uh. not do anything. And so I have to kind of create these external things that will kind of keep me going, yeah. you know, like, you know, like art shows, I schedule an art show. So I'll paint because mm. if I don't have an art show coming up, then I might paint a little bit here and there, but I'm not going to go into like hardcore production mode and make 50 paintings. I'd probably make two or three a year, you know, because I'd get distracted with other things and, you know, and let my laziness take over. But I think that's, I think most artists and I'm looking at Kenny as well. He's doing the camera here. Uh, there is a degree of laziness to the, the the method, I would think. Like, the idea of, like, I know what I should be doing, but I'd rather do this other thing. And we have to find this way of just trying to stay accountable. Like, like I know he's, you, you, it seems like now you just spread thin. Everyone got you shooting something. But um, at least for you, like, do you find yourself having to, to if you keep a shoot schedule, that'll keep you busy. So, so if you don't have, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's why I'm like the, this podcast was a, a reason to continue to be creative because as I'm learning documentaries don't happen as fast, uh, when I have an audience now and I have these, is this, you know, now I want to make things with intention more than instinct. And so now I'm like, damn, how can yeah. I keep going so that that while I'm waiting for a call back that's saying I can go shoot this or whatever, what can I be doing? Because feeling like I'm doing nothing makes me way too anxious. Well, I think one of the problems with having a an audience is that you become way more self-aware. Yes. You become way more self-critical. And so, you know, when I was, you know, because I think back, you know, a lot when I was younger and before I started doing art shows, like I was doing all kinds of weird, crazy experimental stuff and just didn't care. I didn't think about it. I mean, it wasn't mm -hmm. consciously thinking about anyone ever seeing it or anything. It was just, I enjoyed doing it. And it was fun. And, but once you start getting into, you know, the mode of, okay, I'm trying to, you know, this show cost me $3,000 to put together. I need to at least, you know, I need to at least break even. So I yeah. need to, you know, I, I got to at least make stuff that's going to, have halfway, you know, halfway chance of selling. I can't sit there and just paint like these like crazy, scary paintings or just out there stuff that people are going to go, I don't want that. It's yeah. scary. You know, like, you know, I look at somebody like David Lynch and his paintings. I think they're amazing. I love his paintings as much as I love his films. But like, I know if I did a show like that here, that kind of stuff, I don't think it was, I mean, I, don't, I have, a, you know, I'd be really shocked if it all sold. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So there's just not a market for that kind of stuff. Now, if I live, you know, in a bigger city, maybe I could go a little crazier with my stuff. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, think you know, it's just the environment. But, uh, but you know, in this market where we're at, you know, like you said, a lot of this stuff is safer and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, most of the people you're selling to are, are going to be, you know, painting it in their house and they don't want something that's going to scare their kids or anything. Do so. You Oh, do you yeah. have any uh, favorite local artists here that people oh, should tons. probably look at? Well, I got a ton of Wade Hamptons in here. 
Um, he's one of my favorites. Uh, Clerk Klontz, uh, Mark Bosworth, uh, Jim Gross is a huge favorite of mine. Um, Mary Warner is amazing. There's so many artists in this town that, um, I mean, Wichita has an insane amount of talent. I mean, I could go on mm. and just name dozens and dozens of people, but yeah. Um, well, do you got anything coming up? Um, well, I have a show in August at Demo Skate Shop over there. It's next door to Picasso's mm. and, uh, it's going to be with, uh, Hannah Scott and, uh, guys aren't familiar with her. She did, uh, she has a company called Stamp Your Face and, mm. uh, she, um, for, uh, she just recently stopped making, uh, custom stamps, but they still sell like, uh, their stamps of celebrities and different things. But she like was, stamps, like mailing stamps or stamps? They're like, like rubber stamps. Rubber stamps, yep. And so, uh, but she's an incredible portrait artist and illustrator. And and uh, I asked her to kind of jump in and, and uh, help me with this show. And I'm doing the, the series of faces. And uh, I kind of felt like my stuff would show really well with what she's been doing the last year or so. And uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to show with her. So I'm doing that in uh, Final Friday august um we'll have that show and right now we haven't really uh nailed down all the details yet but if you you know obviously check out you know dustinparker.com or my facebook page um you'll be able to find out more about that but well i was just going to say do you want to plug your your website but i guess you just did it yeah so dustinparker.com that's where you can also uh find him on the different social medias as well Tons of illustrations. Uh, I think last time I was on here, you had a store. Yeah, got a store um, where uh, you can basically take the prints and customize it to whatever size you need for your home uh, or or however this thing works. It's kind of amazing, though. I've never uh, up. It was it was you when you posted it once. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know you, this was a thing. Yeah, the store is through a company called Created, and they uh, it's basically an on-demand print service. So you can either print on canvas or you know poster paper, and or you can get them framed if you want to. And just uh, um, so there's different sizes available, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know I kind of set that up because you know every once in a while you have people hit me, you know, that say, hey, you know, where can I buy a print of this or yeah. print, you know, or whatever. And so I just kind of threw it out there. It doesn't get that much, you know. Uh, you know, I don't sell that much stuff on there, but uh, it's just kind of there for those, you know, handful of people that are interested in that. Um, but uh, I've kind of been really bad about pushing the stuff online, and it's just hard because it gets really complicated. Yeah. Well, when you start getting into like, uh, you know, shipping and taxes and all this, like, it gets kind of crazy when you're shipping art because you know you're making sure it's insured, making sure it's you know packaged properly and it's gonna yeah. make it there without getting destroyed um and and then you know it's just kind of difficult so i i just kind of took the philosophy like i ain't gonna fuck with that <laughs> and i'll just sell stuff locally and i you know i don't really rely on that income mm-hmm. uh to pay the bills it's kind of just extra money for me so uh you know i don't really worry too much about it but now a little fun fact before we get out uh fin close out the episode um david rickles who was on another local superstar here celebrity as well um david rickles had a fight which dustin uh designed one of the t-shirts for 
really good, great shirt. Um, it was a bang, and he loved it. I mean, you know, he loved it a lot because it was. He's always wanted to play with this idea of sitting on this, uh, uh, taking the caveman persona, yeah. and putting it on this throne, and really kind of pushing it. And it kind of helped visualize that idea. So that was uh, great to see that you two could come up with a, a amazing piece that's not, I mean, it's a shirt, but it's a piece of art that's original on a shirt as well. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was all thanks to you because you're the one that reached out to me and kind of got us hooked up together and well you're not like the and, bridge uh, fence you know? yeah but you know and that's the thing that's you know i'd say about facebook that's been great is um is you know i get a lot of you know make a lot of connections with people and there's a lot of cool projects i've done because of just you know you, you're facebook friends with somebody and they go oh hey i know this guy who's in a band and he needs a you know poster or, you know mm-hmm. or i need you know art for my band's you know cd or something um so that's that's one thing that's been really great about Facebook, and for the longest time we were just Facebook friends. Yeah, um, took us a while to actually meet face to face. Wow! But uh, but uh, yeah, you know uh, that was a, I had fun working on that project, and, and uh, it went pretty smoothly. You know, the, when you work with freelance, do freelance and work with clients, sometimes those projects become a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that was one of the one of the few that recent ones that recent memory that was actually fun and and you've done that as well as doing the uh a lot of uh uh, uh local work with uh Riverfest. Have you done Riverfest? I haven't done a Riverfest poster yet. You haven't? No, I haven't. I could have sworn you have? I haven't. I could have sworn you have. No, I haven't. I missed it. Well No, uh, I I haven't. I, I entered once, I think. And uh you know, because it's a competition. So I I entered one one year and, and You would think that'd lost. be a no brain. I thought you was really a local celebrity, Dustin. Well, I told you, you I told you at the beginning that, <laughs> that you're you're a little bit misinformed, but just weren't listening to me. But yeah, the uh, um, yeah, it's you know, yeah, I, I'm probably not going to be officially uh, a famous Wichita artist until I get a Riverfest poster under my belt. But or you can we'll get a see. Renaissance Fest. You got to figure out which. Yeah, one. I don't know. I mean, I you know, we'll we'll see. But yeah, I uh, you know, I. You know, at some point, I, what happens with that is is every year around this November or so, I start to kind of think about because I think the competition's around December or so, mm-hmm. and I start thinking about it and I'll come up with an idea for it, and then I just never get too far with it. Like I'll maybe start something, yeah, and I don't know. I just it you know I haven't really ever uh, felt that inspired to do a fest poster, so. Well, maybe one maybe, day I will be. Maybe one day. Yeah. Now, uh, so DustinParker.com is where you go to. That's basically the hub, and you can find everything else. This is the I'm Kind of Famous podcast. It was great to have you on. I'm glad we got to talk because I've always wanted to talk some of these things with you. And there's some things that I still didn't talk to you with because this thing is getting long, and we got to break it down. <laughs> Um, so maybe we can do this uh, again, maybe when something is going on and and, and really jump in there and and uh uh do more podcasts uh kind of famous pod k-i-n-d-a famous pod on facebook uh and twitter if you want to kind of discuss some of these artistic type of conversations or you want to jump into some facebook com- uh comic book conversations uh we can do that as well but also if you need um uh an easier way to listen i don't know how you're listening but we're on itunes google music app 
uh, Podbean. That's the main uh, website or SoundCloud. Uh, and this will have a video episode as well. So uh, check the YouTube Arrow Films on YouTube and you can watch the full video of the I'm Kind of Famous podcast with Dustin Parker. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me. All right. Tell your mama I said hi. I'm kind of famous podcast. So in light of you being kind of famous. Why the hell I'm kind of famous? Who the hell she knows?